This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. Drive to deep center field, going back Hernandez at the track, right to the wall, gone! Elvis Andrews! And 29 other MLB clubs. High drive, deep left field, Guerrero lifts one to left field and gone! Oh, Tani, that was a moonshot out there in the right center. Alonzo defends his title, the 2021 Derby champion. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe from OPS Plus to juiced balls to game-changing moments. We have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. It is A's Cast Live and one of our all-time favorites. And it bugs me because the nation has taken him by storm. We found him first. We knew he was a great interview. When no one else knew, now I got to watch. He's on Fox. He's everywhere. The great Liam Hendricks is back with us here on A's Cast Live. I can't tell you how happy I am for you your family, how have you been? I've been great. I've been great, thank you. Uh, yeah, you guys helped me start it off and then realized my uh, potential dream of possibly working in a broadcasting booth after I'm done playing. So, uh, yeah, it's just glad to be back, and uh, <laughs> it's always fun coming back down to the Coliseum. You know what's interesting is I remember talking to you about how you were partnering with this Hall of Famer guy and ARF and Tony LaRussa like the, the the odds that you would end up playing for him at his age, what's that been like? Because you already had the relationship prior. Yeah, I mean the relationship playing him with my age as well. I mean you can throw that out there, but uh, it's been fantastic. Obviously, uh, knowing the relationship that I had with him and the organization played a big part in it. Not only that, but also what he was able to do when he did manage as uh, kind of the the kind of originator of the closing role. I mean it's with Eckersley back in the day, and it's. Uh, yeah, it's been fun. It's been an experience, and it's been uh, it's been a blast being able to kind of learn from his tutelage. You know, you know, we think about we always joked with you about you know, you know, you, you go from this role of being DFA to next, you know, you're starting the wild card game to the next year you're on the media guide. Just what has this been like for you now and now the national expo- the exposure? And it was great seeing you fill the dreams game. I mean, the big interview you had on Fox. Just what has that been like for you? Uh, it's been fun and it's been exhausting, but it's uh, it's been a blast. And the best thing about it is I keep getting messages from people back in Australia talking about it. And that's something that, <laughs> as you guys know, I am very, very proud of where I'm from. Yeah. I'm very yeah. forward thinking with hopefully we can get some more Australian kids over here and, and getting them exposed to Major League Baseball, getting them exposed to baseball in general, and either moving them over to the college realm or moving them over to uh, the possibility of working into pro ball and then building the relationship. I mean... Australia's ranked as number six in the world, and it's for a reason, but uh, there's definitely an opportunity to creep up those leaderboards with the more kids that come over. I still have an Australian caller because of you. So, like, it'll be like like today, Tuesday, but it's Wednesday there. 
he still calls in is still a fan because of you. Well, I, I mean, that's the, the little relationships. It's the little things like that that have an opportunity to grow into something really special in Australia. And it's, uh, it's, a, it's a smaller community over there, but it's a very tight-knit community. And I guarantee you the guy who called, whether he knew baseball or not before, he's definitely searched it out in Australia. And he's probably going down to your local club ball teams just trying to be a fan and, and be involved with the next generation. You know, I think whenever XAs come here, and it's a special relationship you have with the organization, whether it's Bob Melvin, it's your former teammates. Uh, I, I remember when Josh Donaldson came back, he spent more time in the A's clubhouse than he did in the Blue Jays, and I think about when Marcus came back with the Toronto Blue Jays. I mean, it was um, – it, this place means a lot to you guys. What is it like as a former player to come back here? Yeah, it's obviously – it's huge coming back. Obviously, the, I, I got my chance over here. It um, – no, not like I'm, I mean, I'm, I got my first full season with the Blue Jays, but it was here where I was finally able to kind of relax and establish myself and then go through what could possibly be one of the toughest times of my baseball career with being DFA'd in 18. But I think it was, I was talking to Bowman about it today, it was a necessary evil. It was one of those things where it's, it, it can go one of two ways. You can let it kind of wallow in you and you can all of a sudden be a sad sack and then kind of not do anything with it or... Hopefully the way I went with it, which is you learn from it, you learn how to deal with people on a better better level, and then you are able to turn that into something special, and that's what uh, I was able to do. Luckily enough, I got called back up and, and was able to rebuild the relationships that uh, that were burnt during that during that time period, but uh, it's, it's only made my relationship with a lot of these guys a lot stronger. Not only that, but physically what you did, where you said, if I'm going out, I'm going to go my way. And you remade yourself back to what you believed in in AAA, which led you back here. Talk about that story, because I think as a professional athlete, at some point, you can have all the data in the world. You can have all the video. At some point, you got to do it your way. Yeah, I mean, it was one of those things where I, I got DFA'd, and I, I cleared, and I went to Nashville, and it was one of those things where I, I spoke to Rick Rod, I spoke to Fran, and I just told them, like, look, I, I don't want to be a distraction, but I know that, that I've got a lot left in me. Um, doing some soul searching, like, look, I want to go back to what got me to be successful, what got my arm to be in the best shape it was back in the day. And that involves a lot of long toss and a lot of kind of not doing too much conditioning, not working out as much and doing all these things. They're like, And they both said the same thing. Look, as long as you're not a distraction, you've been around long enough that you have earned this right. Um, and I, that was my vow. Like, I will not be a distraction to these guys here, but I will make sure I do everything I need to do to be, on the, to be able to go every day. And a lot of the credit comes down to those two guys. Emot was there as well. And a lot of it also has to fall on uh, Danny Coulomb. I mean, he was my throwing partner almost every day. He was the one who taught me how to regrip my curveball. He was the one who kind of, we were both grinding around through it. He was my roommate in the, when I was down there, which I hadn't had a roommate in the last five years. So that was different. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I got very lucky in the people that I surrounded myself with. And I would not be here without those guys. When I think about having a strong woman in your life, I remember having a conversation with your wife in Cleveland when we were there. God, I don't even know what that was. Was that 2019 probably? And where she said she can be hard on you. Can and, be. Yeah. But it, <laughs> it's been great for your career. Without a doubt. Uh, I suffer from the same thing my dad suffered with, which was complacency. Like, he, he brought me out about it when I had my first good year, then I had bit of a rough 16 when I came over to the age for the first time and he's like that was the crux of my my football was complacency and he goes luckily I had a strong woman behind me and he goes I know you've got the same and that was Christy and she's uh she's a godsend she's a lifesaver I would not be anywhere close to where I am right now whether 
whether it be because of the success I had and then I would have gone down the dark path or whether it be when I was in the lowest of lows and she was able to pick me up. But she's got that uh, innate ability to be able to bring, bring, the, bring what I need to hear, whether I accept it at the right time or not is another thing. But, I mean, just as of two weeks ago, she, I called her after a game against the Yankees and I gave up another homo because I can't get any of the Yankees out apparently. And uh, she was like, yeah, you're tipping. I'm like, okay, do you know what? She goes, no, but they don't take good, a good, they don't take swings like that off you. You're tipping. Went to the field the next day. Fair enough. Looked at it. I was tipping. I was showing uh, showing the ball a little bit too much when I was throwing a fastball, and that's the thing. That's I didn't, amazing, by the way. I didn't accept it at the time, but you sit there and you kind of accept it. You let it sink in, and the woman's bloody right every time. I didn't and realize it, she's oh, like a pitching Lee. coach too. Oh, she's everything. Pitching, <laughs> mental, mental skills. I mean, if I hit, she'd be a hitting coach. It yeah. was. Uh, it's one of those things where I've learned to just accept it because she's always right and it pisses me off to no end but at the end of the day i mean i it, it there's not too many people in this game that don't have a strong woman behind them like telling them certain things at the right time when did you as a former starter then forced to be a reliever really accept hey i'm the guy at the end of the game when did you really accept that and and embrace that and love that to make you what you are today well, I've loved it from the first save I ever got, and that was in Detroit in 2017. Didn't get another opportunity until mid-June of 19, but um, I still don't think I've fully accepted it, and I don't want to. I don't want to fully accept it because I want to make sure that I earn it every time I pitch. And that's one thing that I've always stressed is, like, nothing is ever given. Nothing is ever, like, a birthright or nothing is ever, oh, yeah, you were good last year, so you've kind of you own it this year. It's like, no. You need to make sure that you go out there and own it every single time. If you don't work towards something at bettering yourself every time, it's just going to go worse, and you're going to be out of that role soon enough. You know, I've known you quite a while. I know one thing that wasn't you is being an opener. I didn't mind it, but I got fat because <laughs> I'd, I'd throw the first thing, and then I'd go inside and eat the entire time. So that wasn't good. It worked out really well for my wife in, in 18 when I got called back up, though, because she was still in Florida. Time change meant that she turned the game on at 10, Watched my inning, went to sleep. So yeah. <laughs> if I was still a reliever, she, that would have, yeah, our relationship may have been a little strained at that point. But um, I didn't mind opening because at that point, that was what I needed mentally to be able to tell, hey, look, I'll go whatever inning you want me to, whether it's the first, whether it's the ninth, whether it's whatever inning. Just tell me when to pitch, and I'll go out there and pitch. And that's that was something that I needed. I needed to get out of my own head, thinking that I was too good, and I was too good to be in anyone from the first through six i need to be there seven eight nine and that's what i deserve and that's this and like that and once i got out of that it was just throw me whenever i don't care what inning i throw i just want to play let me play you know looking at you guys and you know obviously rooting for you been watching the white Sox from afar you got a really good team and obviously you're going to win the central but just talk about how good how young and athletic and how good these White Sox are. Yeah, it's a, it's a fun team. Um, and I'm not saying that we're going to win the division until it's final because that's the same thing as kind of accepting the role in the ninth. It's, um, that was one of the issues that I saw last year with these guys when they made the playoffs is they made the playoffs and then hit cruise control and then all of a sudden lost it. You hurry up. I'm going in for you. Uh, piss off, Tim. All right, Tom. <laughs> uh, I don't know. It's me, so we'll, we'll be here. Do you have another headset that we can throw him on there so I can talk to him? Uh, <laughs> Tony Kemp, by the way, just came by and wants to uh, hurry this thing along. He, we, we were with him yesterday. Hey, I bought you a sword. You should be fine. <laughs> um, no, so, uh, 
Yeah, it, uh, it, it's a fun team, though. But it's one of those things where they need to... Same thing that we did last year was we need to work on making sure that we hit the last game of the season on full full ball. And uh, But other than that, like it's a fun team. we got we got a lot of characters out there. We've got a lot of guys that are willing to uh, kind of play that role of kind of being the villain almost a little bit. Like, you look at T.A., like, he's not afraid to be outspoken. He's not afraid to uh, kind of be that guy. But he's also one of the closest people to me on this team because I'll be running in. If I throw a couple bad pitches, he'll be the first guy there yelling at me, which is what I need. And that's the kind of relationship that a lot of these guys have. It's it's making sure that everybody's held accountable, but at the same time knowing that we don't care how everything goes. Like, it's going to sort itself out. We're not going to put any added pressure on you, but we're going to be the first guy there to defend you if something goes wrong. Yeah, you guys got a lot of swagger. I think there is there, there is no question about that. And, uh, you know, and bringing Kimbrell over, what's that like been for you? Because now you have two legitimate options, whether it's eighth, ninth, whatever it is. What's that been like? He's been awesome. Uh, he's been fantastic. Like, obviously, I, I was asking about him before we even got him. Like, it, during the All-Star game, I was asking Bar Matt Barnes about him and, like, how he is as a person. Because I know Craig a little bit off the field, but I'd never experienced the way he goes about his daily routine on the field. And it's, it's something that we behold. It's, it's, it's something special what he's been able to do for the length of time. And luckily enough, I've known some guys that have played with him that have, all have glowing reports of the guy. And they've all been kind of um, – they've all been certified when he came over to us. But he's been fantastic. It's – we both have the same mentality. It's, it's we don't care when we pitch. We're our chance. We're here to win a win a championship, and that's all that matters. So if you think I'm going to be best in like the way he threw the seventh in Kansas City, the way I've gone out there earlier in the earlier in the games as well, it's it's one of those things where it doesn't matter how we go. We're trying to win, and if that's the best chance of us winning, then that's what we're going to do. Let's end on this. Did you ever think you'd be uh, thrown in a cornfield? I did not. I dev definitely didn't think I'd be the first ever person to get a blown save in Iowa in the big leagues. And, and a win. And a win. So I've got that. <laughs> I almost threw the jersey in the trash after the game, and then I was like, nah, this is something probably It was cool, cool right? It's covered in Gatorade because I was the first person in line high-fiving Tim for taking that hook out of my mouth. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely something cool, and hopefully we get another chance to experience it because that, that was something really special, and hopefully if we get a chance to do it again, we can embrace it, and hopefully I don't suck again. Well, I, I got to tell you, the optics on TV when the – when the balloon, the hot air balloons rolling in, I mean, it looked like a great time. And of course, you had the big interview on Fox. It looked like you guys were having a blast. It was, it was a lot of fun. Um, it was a lot of fun. The uniforms are great. I really enjoyed those. Uh, obviously, everything was great up until I pitched. Other than that, we we won, so that's all that matters. But um, yeah, it was it was such a cool experience, and and hopefully, I get a chance to experience it again because it was. It was so, I love those things. I love the breaking the norms. I love those things, like the special events, like the opening series in Japan a couple of years ago. That was fantastic. I'm really working with MLB about hopefully trying to get another game back to Australia because that would uh, that would be something that would really really open open up for me, be able to get over there and uh, and get some family and friends be able to see me pitch in a big league game for the first time. Well, I know we're on the field and gotta kind of say this lightly, but uh, we really miss you <laughs> a lot. Uh, I've been keeping up. I mean. I, there's still a lot of talent in that bullpen. There's still a lot of talent in the rotation. I think it's uh, it. You go through ebbs and flows and stages, and I think these guys are. They'll come back stronger once they. That's just that that they that little kick, that little like, uh, baseball gods thing that to fall their way, and it'll be back to rolling. And then, uh, hopefully, we can. Um, regardless of what happens these next three days, we play Boston right after you guys. So hopefully, we can uh, we can help you guys out a little bit and then take care of the Red Sox for you. 
Well, not, we not only miss you on the field, but we miss you here on Ace Cast. I mean, you you were on this show more than any. I mean, you're the all time leader in the clubhouse. I was, I was about to ask you that. Am I still the leader on this thing? Yeah, I, don't know. I think you're still. Well, remember, <laughs> we weren't on the field last year. Oh, of course, yeah. So I, I mean, I have to. I mean, you've got some characters over here. You got some guys that uh, I'm sure give some good interviews if uh, if you can finagle them down here with Sergio and guys like that. I think that I think they'd be a blast. Hey, always appreciated it. Appreciate it, guys. I mean, Thanks for having me you're again, the man. And, and thank you for everything over the last five years or the last two years that we've been and around you, together. You know we're rooting for you. I appreciate we'll it. We'll always root for you. I'm always I'm still I'm always rooting for the A's. It's still they still hold a real soft spot in my heart. The great Liam Hendricks right here on A's Cast Live. Tony, how are you? Good to see you again. What's up, guys? Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. So good off day yesterday, it sounds like. Oh, Napa was beautiful, man. Yeah, it was beautiful. We uh saw Liam. Obviously it was good uh good catching up with him. He's a, he's a character. But uh yeah it was a good time. You know, when you think about where the A's are right now, at some point it's a math equation. How many games you have left, what you're back in the wild card, what you're back in the division. Just give me the mindset, the flight coming back. It's a long flight from Toronto. What what it was like? Yeah, I'll be honest with you. I, I never majored or d- took a math class at Vandy, so I'm not quite good at math. All I know is that we have today, and that's all we have, and we need to win, and that's all we need to do. Um, uh, the flight was pretty uh, was pretty sad at first, but I feel like uh, these guys are pretty good at bouncing back, and I think that's what makes it special. Well, you got to know, you can't play the uh, I'm not a smart guy when you go to Vandy. You, <laughs> I can't, can, you can't play that card. <laughs> I can. I, I, there was a uh, major in communications, and, uh, you know, I didn't have to take math because me and math it just don't mix. I, it just We just don't mix, man. I can add and subtract pretty good, but once we get into calculus and stuff, you just you might as well count me out. So were you thinking about being a broadcaster when you're in school? <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, I took public speaking, took interpersonal communication, uh, did the whole nine, and I was like, man, this is felt, felt pretty natural. So uh, they are like, hey, do public speaking about uh, steroid usage or about something. I was like, oh, I can do that. Well, well maybe someday. <laughs> maybe someday. We, we we'll can see. have you right here with me. We'll see. We may be able to do that. We'll you know? see. They're going to have to kick me off that field. Well, you've played more games this year than you've ever played in your career. How does yeah. that feel? You know what? My body feels good. And um, honestly, uh, this is such a great group of guys to go to battle with each day that I don't even notice it, honestly, to be completely honest. Like September body, September grind, I feel like it's – you might as well tell me it's June. Um, I feel like this year, better than every year, I've taken my care of my body as far as recovery, getting in the cold tub, uh, making sure I get a massage at least once every week and – um, yeah, body body feels pretty good, rather other than hit, getting hit in the hamstring by 95 in the first inning. But other than that, we're good. Uh, lately, we got a little power <laughs> stroke going. Where's this? <laughs> wh- 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 where's this power stroke coming from? Man, I honestly do not know. Maybe it's because my wife's six months pregnant, and I, my daddy strength is just like, hey, this is this is <laughs> this is this is just the beginning. Hopefully, <laughs> so we'll see. No, I'm just I'm not trying to hit home runs, man. This is a tough place to get it out. I'm just trying to put my best swing on some stuff. Is this your first? Uh, yeah, first first kid. Oh, yeah. yeah, we're we're uh, we're waiting to find out. So uh, we're taking. She's due on Christmas, and uh, we don't know gender, so we're taking guesses. So if you have a guess, a Christmas baby, Christmas baby. Wow, God, God's good, man. God, wow. God's good. And, so. and you know what's funny? You'll be stressing like no other, <laughs> and then three kids from now, you'll be like, "What? This yeah. is a breeze." Do you have any? I have I have twins. Yeah. Boy or girl? 
twin girls. Oh, cute. And Love that. S- sophomores in high school. Oh, you know what so I'm doing right now? You're doing it. I'm looking for cars. You're doing and it. And we're looking at colleges Can now. Can we get a used Honda? <laughs> I mean, uh, it's unbelievable. No, I want a girl. I want a little girl. Oh, they're the best. I know. They're always, you know what? It's great. You know, everybody always talks about, oh, you know, you want the boy. And yeah, because yeah, once we had twins, I was good. I You're did. like, yeah. But it's like, yes, I would have liked Little League. I would have loved all of that. But the girls will always love you forever. Always love you forever. And uh, my wife's like, do you want a boy? I was like, I want a healthy kid, but I, I want a girl, selfishly. But we'll see. We'll see. We're excited about it. When you think about versatility and your game, you know, I, I, I've, I've, I've joked with Chad Pender about this. <laughs> you got to bring multiple gloves to the ballpark. Yeah. Oh, man. What is that like where you, you basically look at Bob Melvin and go, yeah. hey, wherever you need me. Yeah, I'm ready. Even shortstop. Yeah, that was a dream. That was a dream. Uh, you know what? I was actually talking to KD about that in left field today because I had my infielder glove out there. He said, you, why do you have your infield glove out here? And I said, man, three or four years ago, um, I made the transition from, you know, in mid-game going from left field to second base. And a ball tipped off the bottom of my glove. And I think subconsciously, I thought that I still had my outfield glove on. And so now I only practice with my infield glove. And the outfield glove only comes out when I'm in the outfield in the game. So in my head, I'm saying that I always have a little shorter of a glove. It just helps me mentally uh, to always make sure that I'm really tracking the ball in my glove and not just take my eye off it. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's been – obviously, it's been, <laughs> I think it's been helping. See, so for me, like as a former pitcher, yeah. wherever I came in the game, didn't really matter. It's pitching. There is a huge difference between left field, uh, second base, uh, and now I'm throwing you at shortstop. Yeah. I can put you in right field. I mean, Man. just talk about yeah. mentally how you prepare for that. I think uh, being able to be a Swiss Army knife, in, uh, I think the biggest part for me is I'm a big visualization person. Uh, you know, before each game, I like to close my eyes for at least – uh, 10 to 30 minutes if I can get a nap in. But before I take a nap, I usually visualize myself making plays in the outfield, in the infield, uh, no matter where it is. And I think that is really what helps me because I'm already um, training my brain for success before it even happens. And I think that's a that's a big part of it. Well, and I think about where you went to school. And mm-hmm. I don't think, you know, because everybody thinks, oh, it's Major League Baseball or it's Minor League Baseball. Yeah. I don't think people really understand <laughs> what these – and I think it started in the SEC. I played at San Jose State, so we never really played against the SEC. And I was either, yeah. you know, playing Stanford, Cal, whatever. It was Pac-10, Pac-12. Yeah. yeah. Just talk about the amount of money, <laughs> the technology, and everything that's happening in the SEC that really trains you guys. Yeah. The football money came in and changed everything. Exactly. Um, all right, after this we have one more question because I, right. I have to hit – but uh, Vanderbilt is one of those schools that prepares you for the minor leagues. Um, playing in the SEC, playing at the top school, um, the technology that's in there, you're prepared for each game. And, uh, you know, I tell people this all the time. Um, the first week that you're there, you're a freshman, and, uh, you know, we talk about the Band of Brothers, and we actually watch, we actually watch clips of um, the Band of Brothers, and it's, we don't even call the dugout a dugout. It's called a bunker. And mentally just preparing yourself for, hey, I want this guy in my foxhole. I want this guy in my foxhole. And, um, you know, who do you want in your bunker? And I think it all starts starts with that. I mean, that even talk about the facilities or the cages or anything like that. It's just mentally prepares you for everything at hand. Hey, we always appreciate the time. Yeah. You're one of the best guys we can have hey, on. Appreciate Don't you take BP. Right. Sorry about that. The great Tony LaRusso, one of the great managers in the history of our game.
but obviously one of the great managers in Oakland A's history and what he's meant to the Bay Area with ARF and everything he's done for people, so generous for so many years. And uh, I've always gotten him in the off season. I think this is the first time I've ever talked to Tony during the season, and it's a very special time. It has been a while. How are you? Well, we're uh, how many hours for a game? If we play the bottom of the ninth today, I'll be doing really well. Well, I, I'll tell you what. I like your chances with this bullpen, by the way. It's pretty spectacular. Well, we got to have the lead for that to happen. But, you know, our bullpen, uh, our front office start up putting together a heck of a team, and they've added to it. You know, we were just talking about it, and I'm going to play it later on in the broadcast. today. This date in baseball history is the day Mark McGuire – Broke 61, number 62. Wow. And when Mark went into our Hall of Fame, I had him on the program, and I asked him, what does it mean to you that you really kind of saved baseball, you and Sammy Sosa? He said it's the number one highlight, not only of his career, but <clears> a big <throat> thing about his life. What was that like back in the day? Because it was incredible. It's, uh, it was a real theater, except it was real. And uh, I've heard veterans, we had veterans on our club, uh, and they said, and they've had championship experiences, and they said the most exciting season they ever had was just being there and watching Mark and Sammy go after it. It was just electric every day. And then you kept seeing Mark, when he broke it, you know, Sammy stayed after it. So he had to hit, what, five in the last weekend to win the thing. It was the first time we saw the velvet ropes around for batting practice, keeping people away. They became like rock stars. I'll make a point to you that shows you just uh, how real Mark is, especially on the road. You know, where we were taking Bang Preg second, there'd be 15, 20,000 people that would watch BP. And he would always take BP because he knew the people were there. And he, he explained later on, it's like playing doubleheader because he'd want to, you know, he, you know, a lot of times the guys, you know, they just kept Bang Preg so they can save for the game. Mark would do his best and he'd put on a show and then he'd come out and play the game. So he, he's got a really good heart. You've been in this game a long time. You've managed some of the greatest players, some of the greatest teams, multiple organizations. What's this season been like for you as a skipper? Oh, somebody, like somebody give you a gift. I mean, this team was here when I got here. They had uh, the front office put together a heck of a squad. I mean, we got pitching. You got position players. You got some veterans. And you got some young guys. Real good mix. So you have to credit player development, scouting, that helped make those decisions. And then they had played together, and, you know, they got better and better. And last year they qualified. You know, they played the A's in the playoffs. So I walked in a situation. They're very hungry, and they got some experience, and uh, they inspire me. You know, we had your back here because there were some people like, I don't know if Tony's going to be able to relate. And, you know, the egos in baseball. And I was like, wait a minute. Tony's managed some of the biggest egos. <laughs> Ricky Henderson, Jose Canseco, Dennis Eckersley. You know, you've managed some of the biggest egos in the history of the game. Yeah, I think there was, you know, there was a lot of – uh, legitimate questions, criticisms, and I didn't fault any of them. The, the, probably the one that was inaccurate was that I'd been away from the game. And the fact is I had worked for yeah. three different teams upstairs and for MLB, so I had stayed current. But uh, the one thing about players is that if you establish a culture of respect and trust, you know, that, that carries the day. And that's what uh, we had all the years, and that's what they, they feature here. So... All I had to show is that, uh, you know, can contribute here and there. Well, obviously, this is your home. You know, this is where you raised your family. This is ARF, which we have had you on before many times to promote the events. Just what does it mean for you to come back to and here, the Coliseum, because mm -hmm. this building's meant a lot to you? 
Well, it's, you know, guys are asking me to here because they, they know the history. And, you know, the 10 years here <clears throat> had some of the great moments. It's also two of the haunting regrets, which was the 88 and 90 World Series. But, uh, you know, I saw, and I, and, I, and I still know there's a core of really strong support for the Oakland A's. Fans really like this club. Uh, they liked our club. Uh, the only thing that, it, it, in fact, I actually took a picture because I saw it in one of the rooms of the Coliseum before. They put that monstrosity in center field, and the guys can see how beautiful this ballpark was then. And now it's you know it's an eyesore out there. I wish we could tear it down. Yeah, there's a lot of us who feel that way, no question about it. And I know you only have so much time, but Bob Melvin has so much respect for you. I know you feel the same. Uh, what he has done here in Oakland, just talk about the job Bob's done. Well, I've said it many times because I believe it. Uh, there's nobody in baseball that does a better job than Bob for years. He takes different kind of clubs. Uh, the thing we talked about before. Nowadays, there's so many distractions that your number one responsibility as a manager and a staff is to earn their respect and trust. So they want to follow you. You know, they want to listen to you and trying to get to make them better. And Bob has proven over and over again that he gets through. And you know, there's a lot of transition on this club from year to year, but he makes it work every year. And uh, you know, one th- I know one thing tonight and tomorrow afternoon, and the game will not be decided because Bob makes a mistake. Yeah, and he's a, he's, he's a wonderful person. Before we let you go, how is ARF doing, and do you have any big plans coming up here? Well, you couldn't have asked a more timely question because, uh, you know, our dual mission, the second mission is that the animals rescue people. Uh, Ten years ago, we started taking veterans with PTSD and matching them up with a dog that was just rescued. It's been an incredible success. Uh, we pay all the costs. It's called Pets and Vets. And uh, what we noticed was that when they do the matching and the training, they need their privacy. So today, this morning at 10 o'clock, we built the the country's first purely private uh, facility for the dogs and the veterans to get together, train, match, and create lives for each other. And uh, it happened this morning. And now as soon as the COVID thing relaxes, you know, you'll see uh, that program really flourish. Yeah, what, when, you, when you think back from starting it to where we are today and your family's involvement, just I, I, you, you Hall of Famer, one World Series, you've done all of that. But do you think this is the greatest thing that you've done in your career, Arf? Well, I was taught, uh, actually started right with the White Sox, Ryan Storff, and I come in with the great Haas family. Mm-hmm. And I go to the DeWitts over there in St. Louis. you got to give back. You know, Don't go into a community and take, take, take. Give something back. Pick your cause. And for our family, it's been uh, kids and education and animals. We started ARF, just just thought we could save a few dogs and cats, and the, the, the support's been incredible. It's become, see, it's 30 years old now. Wow. Uh, and um, it's, it's something that, put it this way, uh, I've been on some great teams professionally, but that ARF team on, on, a, on a personal basis has been championship quality. Well, it's an open invitation. If you ever need us to promote anything, donations, whatever it is, please come on the program and we'll help you anyway. You've been so good to me in my career. And, of course, in this fan base, you are loved. Well, Everybody still loves Tony LaRusso. Thank you so much for the time and good luck with your club because you got a really exciting team. I just hope we win the night. Thank you. The Hall of Famer, Tony LaRusso, right here on A's Cast Live. And Mark Canna joins us here on A's Cast Live. It's always great to have him on. How have you been? It's good to see you. Uh-oh. Uh, we had a little microphone malfunction. <laughs> uh, it's good. I'm good. 
How are you doing, Tony? Uh, doing well. And, you know, it's uh, – it's a situation where I talked about it last night. It just it is what it is in a season to where it's like all these games coming up are going to be like game sevens. You got to win these games if you want to get to the postseason. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be a grind. We got to we got to step it up a notch here and um, you know put it into fourth gear for for this last stretch. You know, it's been a real interesting year for you. I mean, obviously, when you're hitting leadoff, the mindset is just get on base. And you had one of the best moments this year when you broke the record for getting hit, and you tipped your cap and no one knew what was going on. But now you've moved back in the order, and we've seen the power stroke come back. Do you think it's because where you moved down in the lineup? Um, I don't know. I mean, uh, you know, I, th I think it's attributed more to um, – finally an adjustment clicking I mean I was uh, struggling there for a little bit and when you're struggling you, you're constantly making adjustments and it's it's kind of about honing in and, and finding what's the right adjustment and, and I think I just found that on this last road trip and it kind of helped that we um, we found ourselves in some hitter friendly ballparks and and that's that's always um, makes it a little easier as well is it something like a certain at bat where it clicks or is it watching video? Like, 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 what is it? That all of a sudden, you go, "Aha, I got it." It was, uh, it was in that Yankees series here at home, and um, I kind of, it was the last two at bats I had of that series was, uh, was a line out to center field, and I kind of felt something like I hit a ball off the end of the bat to center, and I was like, "Oh, you kind of," I felt myself pull off the ball, and I was like, "Oh, that maybe that's an underlying thing that you've been doing for a while now, so maybe you should." stay closed a little bit longer try to stay on the ball and make a concerted effort to to keep my front side closed to just to just be on the ball a little bit longer and then you know next at bat i hit a double and tony hits that home run and we have a great win there um but it was those two at bats where i kind of like something you know light bulb went off and i was like okay and then from there on out i was just kind of building on that while we were on the road and and working within those ideas and and trying to work with with staying closed and and it and it finally um some things started clicking so when when you go to certain ballparks and toronto obviously the ball flies is it yeah. just like does it, it help help your confidence knowing that oh yeah i i love hitting here absolutely um i mean it, it's not enough to just hit the ball well in the air here in oakland anymore um it, you have to you got to crush it to get it out of here and it's been a frustrating year in terms of how the ball's been flying in this stadium especially it's a little bit better now that it's warmed up a little bit uh, but early in the year it was kind of brutal honestly like some some balls that really should be home runs are, are hitting off the wall and such and uh, yeah when you go to a place like Detroit and you're just like okay if I just hit this ball pretty good into the air in right field it's it's gonna be a homer more than likely so um, yeah, it's, it's everything for a hitter. When you get into a ballpark with a, it's hitter friendly, you know the ball's flying a little bit, that, that helps a lot. Yeah, I know when you're doing well is when you drive the ball to the opposite field. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, that's something I've always said is like an indicator. It's something that's always been a strength of mine, but when I lose that and, and you'll see a lot of like rollovers to the, the left side of the infield, that's when you assign that ah, you're, you're, something's a little off, you need to start trying to figure out and the, the trick is is it's not as easy as just like trying to hit the ball over there it, it kind of just comes when you start 
doing the right things, then you notice, oh, okay, now I have some juice to the opposite way. I must be doing something right. Yeah, you try and – I mean, I try and put it into different terms of different sports. It's like if I'm if I'm hitting a golf ball mm-hmm. and I'm thinking about my swing the entire time, I'm dead, yeah. right? Yeah. It's got to be just a natural feeling. I mean, talk about that. Yeah. You, know, like, you can't overthink. Yeah, yeah. As soon as you start uh, feeling for it is how we put it um, – things tend to slow down and, and get a little less explosive you gotta you gotta get in there and rip with uh you know everything i say everything has to happen uh dynamically so it has to happen athletically with movement you can't just put your foot down and be stiff or at least i can't um i've never had the ability to like really try to like slow down you gotta you gotta swing hard and so it's it's finding your swing with it with that aggressive mindset is the is the trick you know i know you don't get to see the broadcast right the tv broadcast but what they've done this year is they're showing us the win now you know as an outfielder but it's like the win in this bowl Mm -hmm. and sometimes it's blowing out a little bit to left but really blowing in hard from right but the wind changes here so much as you mentioned harder to hit it out but what's it even as an outfielder it's got to be tough yeah, it just swirls. It's really um, it's unpredictable. I think Mount Davis, the wind kind of comes in here and, and just goes in a circle. I think around the around the stadium. So um, no matter which way it's blowing, typically it's never just howling out because it's that that exit for the wind is, is being blocked by Mount Davis. So so the wind is just swirling around. Uh, which means you, you just really got to hit it. You got to hit it um, through. You're not getting any uh, any cheapies unless you unless you hit it down the line somewhere. That's that's your best bet to get a, a home run that's that's not a, a bolt. Is it ever consistent or like daytime's different, nighttime? The later it gets in the game, is is the wind just always different? Yeah, I think so. I, it's hard to tell. I, it's consistent in that what I just said, like it, it kind of swirls and you, it's, it's consistently inconsistent. It's <laughs> uh, <laughs> a good way to put it. Yeah. It, balls just do some weird things here. I mean, it, sometimes you see a lot of really hard, well-hit balls in the gaps just kind of get knocked down. Um, I think it, it the balls that are hit higher with higher go further. Um, it's really hard, I think, to hit low homers here. So, like, the low line drives that will go out in some places tend to get knocked down here, and that's that's one thing that's consistent. And, and as an outfielder, it can make um, fielding or, like, reading those line drives a little bit tougher too because they're, they're getting knocked down or they're, they're taking a turn halfway to you. They'll In the air, they'll just, like, catch a seam and, and go to the left or go to the right, and, and that can make it a little crazy too. Let's end on this. You know, you've been here uh, a long time now, and I know what it means to you to be back at home. You know, your parents are so close. I live mm-hmm. in the neighborhood you grew up in, and I've mm-hmm. I've had uh, at San Jose Swim and Racket, there's a bunch of these old guys who've known you since you were a little kid, and they always ask me about you. Just how great has it been for you being in Oakland A, being at home where you went to Bellarmine, Cal? Mm-hmm. Just what has it meant for you in your career? It's, it's been amazing. Um, I love it here. My wife and I say the same thing. It's just this, the Bay Area feels like home. And um, 
we've actually really enjoyed this year uh, being in Oakland. We're, we've, we're living in Oakland as a family for the first time and uh, around Lake Merritt. And it's just, it's beautiful over there. Um, kids are at Fairyland all the time. We're, we're, we just, we love it here. Um, the fact that my family's here is really cool. We get to see them. My, my parents get to see their grandkids. It's, it's, uh, it's special and, and playing for the A's, you know, the fans are, are so great to me. It's, they treat me like a, you know, like a hero, like a true hometown hero, and that, that makes me feel really good. Well, I, I can't thank you enough. You've always been great to us here on A's Cast Live. I, I, I hope you sign a long-term deal and you stay here for many years because you yeah. you got a lot of great baseball ahead of you. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Tony. I, I, yeah, if I get to stay here, that would be a blessing, really. You want to talk about being an A's legend, a guy that has been here since day one, and he's retiring, and I told him, you're going to go in the Hall of Fame right away, and that's what's happening. So a new Hall of Famer, Steve Vucinich, joins us here on A's Cast Live once again. How are you? I'm wonderful. Thank you for asking. This franchise, you know, we joked you never needed a resume because you've been with this franchise forever. When they came out with the, they're going to put you in the Hall of Fame, what, what, what did that mean? You know, what's funny is I was told to come out to the parking lot and my daughter and my wife were there. And as Dietra was started to tell me about that, my daughter taped the whole thing and threw it on Facebook and Twitter. And, and it was so nice to hear that, what Dietra was saying. But until I watched the video of it, it didn't really hit home until then. And, you know, I always thought that maybe there's a chance a few years down the road, but never thought in the first year of retirement that I'd be going in and going in with three of my favorite people of all time, Sal Bando, Joe Rudy, and Eric Chavez. And one of the, the one of the guys I say is one of the best people I've ever met in my entire life, and that would be Keith Lippman, who I've known since he was a player in our system, a minor league manager, uh, and also director of minor leagues for so many years. So I'm, I'm, I'm totally psyched about the whole thing, and, and sometimes I wonder if I'm deserving of it. You're going to have to write a speech. Yeah, working on it. I've got, <laughs> I've, got all, I've got all until whenever it is. So I tell them don't do it in July because I'm going to Alaska and you're not going to get me off that trip. And then we're going to have a pregame ceremony for you on September 26th against the Astros at 107, which should be a very highly attended game. Uh, that's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm uh, nervous about that. I really am. I don't know what's in store. Um, I have... Uh, they said they just need me on the field, and I said I need to speak for a minute or two, and they said that's fine, and uh, you'll see what happens. Like when I see what happens, I want to make sure the fans are thanked by me because they have been right on. I walked through this, the stands yesterday just on the concourse, and there weren't that many people here, but fans kept coming up to me thanking, me thanking me for what I've done, and I thought I was a war hero, and Iraq or Afghanistan is the same line they use for servicemen, but uh uh, it's the fans have been great for me over the years. That's pretty hilarious. Like, how many World Series games have you won? Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Just been there to watch the good guys win them. And you've been getting a ton of TV time. It's been like, like you always got to watch out what you're doing now in the dugout because they got the camera on you all the time. Well, I, I'm guessing it's in the non-exciting part of the stadium uh, game. 
But, uh, uh, yeah, you always have to be careful. We know that. We've been told that. Don't ever pick your nose. You never know when it'll be on there. Don't, uh, I, I guess from Toronto, somebody said it looked like I was sleeping. I said, no, I was illegally keeping my cell phone on my lap looking for something. And I, so I kept looking down. They said my head looked like I was bobbing and I was sleeping. <laughs> and that has never happened. You know, it, it's, it's, the job has changed over the years because the demand is so different when I think about equipment and I think about uniforms and you got like, you know, you, years ago you had a white one. You had a gray one. It was home. It was road. Now, I mean, it's Father's Day, Mother's Day, Fourth of July. It's you know what a Pokemon Day. I mean, <laughs> I mean, just talk about how all the ordering, all the equipment, the stores, the travel, how everything has just really changed. Well, uh, first of all, we used to have just white and gray, and I'm talking about from the mid '80s up until about '94 or '95. We brought in the dark green as an alternate. And then we added a gold for a while, and that gave us four. And then we went to the Kelly Green, that gave us five. We did that a few years ago, and then eliminated the gold. And next year, we might eliminate the dark green. <clears throat> and so we'll be at, be at three jerseys. So everybody gets two jerseys right off the start. They're all custom uh, made, whether it be sleeve length, body length, tightness, whatever. And so uh, then we got three hats. The BP, the home, the road, and then you've got the Kelly, so that's the fourth one. So it's quite a bit, and it's changed a lot because of uh, we have more turnover in our roster than we did 25, 40 years ago. Uh, so you get more players, you have to be ready for more. Uh, we have a good company to stand by, does emergency lettering for us, even on a Saturday or Sunday. I'll never forget the Jeff Samarja trade uh, was made on 4th of July, July weekend, of course, and so we had a guy come in and do all the lettering and I made the guy a hero because I tweeted his picture holding up the jerseys because all the fans were asking what number is Hamill's going to be what number is Samarja going to be and so I answered it that way I let the <coughs> this guy get 10,000 views so it's funny. <laughs> yeah because that's not I mean a guy gets sent up out of nowhere especially when you're on the road I mean I understand when it's at home but let's just take me through it like Next, you know, Billy Bean or David Force calls you and says, we're bringing up this guy. He's never been on the big club, and you're in, like, Cleveland. Well, <clears throat> for guys that are on a 40-man roster, you always have a jersey. And then if you've got in spring training a guy that's not on a 40-man roster, but he's a veteran and he has a chance of getting recalled, which would have been a case for Jed Lowry if he didn't make the team on opening day, uh, he would have been in that situation. So we've got the jerseys ready, and, and I know what numbers are available what number some of those guys wore in spring training. A lot, of, a lot of those guys are in the 60s and the 70s, but they get recalled. Um, and uh, if I don't have a jersey, first thing I do is hopefully I know in a day in advance, and I'll pull blank jerseys. And then we've got two size letters in all colors. We have a thin and a thick. The thin is for uh, last names of eight or more letters. The thick are for last names or seven or fewer letters. So there's a science to all this too. Um, See, uh, people don't know this. <laughs> they think these guys just show up and you got a jersey and you walk out and start playing. This is not bewitched. I'm not twitching <laughs> my nose and all of a sudden they appear. <laughs> yeah. So, so you, you know, got that and you got pants and uh, and I always order extra pants in spring training because those are so customized these days. I mean, whether it's short pattern, long pattern, what waist, what size leg. Do the guys have rubber bands on the bottom? Do they leave them open bottom? All these different customizations. And the jerseys are customized, too, with, like I said, sleeve length, tightness, 
Some of the guys like a tight sleeve and shows their gut, make it a gun show. We tease them. And uh, so I'll get the jerseys lettered up, send out a sample to the local company that each team uses, and get them back. And we've never, ever in my lifetime got sent a player out without a name on the back once we started having names on the back. When you think about the players, you know, from the A's getting here in the 60s, you had the 70s and the great teams, then here comes the 80s, Billy Martin. Then you got a team that was just a powerhouse, and they were rock stars in the late 80s. And then through the 90s. and the, How have players changed, and how are they still kind of the same? Well, I, I think the players are better conditioned now. With the compensation they receive, they don't need to have off-season jobs. And that was the case back in the 60s and the early 70s. I mean, 1971, I'll never forget, I was in college and I got a, a part-time job at J.C. Penney's in Hayward, Southland, working in the sporting goods department. And I ran into Raleigh Fingers, he said, I need a job. So I told our guys there, and next thing I know, he's a stock boy at the J.C. Penney's. Raleigh the, Fingers. At the Fremont Hub in Fremont. <laughs> and we had just won a division, so his full share was $7,000, but it wasn't enough to sustain through the winter, so he needed a job. Sal Bando used to work for Visa. Joe Rudy had a few things going until they really started making money. Nowadays, you get a guy comes up for one month of the season, and that one month is maybe $130,000, so, uh, or maybe one hundred twenty, and and so they've, I would say they're above the line. They're, they don't need to work during the winter. So they work out. They're better conditioned. Some of the guys that have big money have their own batting cage in their in their house, their winter off-season home. Uh, so that's changed. Like I said, a better condition. Now, uh, as far as attitudes and everything, it's pretty much the same. Uh, sometimes some of these guys listen to their agents too much instead of listening to coaches and stuff, and they have their own workout partners or personal hitting coach or whatever, which is fine to a point, but there's got to be communication between those people and our staff too. So that's changed a little bit. Again, that's that's because of the money. They've got the money to be able to pay those guys, and good for them. Um, Marvin Miller, there's a reason why he went into the Hall of Fame. That's right. Marvin Miller has helped everybody in the game. He, is, he saw that uh, had a vision for uh, free agent signing, and that would stir more talk during the winter after the winter meetings and trades and things like that. And, and he was so pro-player, and they got noticed. And look where the game has evolved to now in tennis. I mean, let's go back two years ago where we were, and don't count last year or this year, but the game has evolved. It's been more popular than ever. Uh, I, I hear some old-timers say they don't like the extra inning rule. Well, they didn't ever have to stay here at 18, 19 innings Thank until 1 a.m. Thank you very much. Thank you very I get people calling me up. That's not baseball. Well, if you think I want to be, I mean, I've been on the air like at 2.30 in the morning. Are you you telling me I don't want to get out of here? Exactly right. Seriously. And the thing is, is the NBA, NC2A, and, and in the NFL, they've made more rule changes than baseball ever thought of. So this game is more of the same that it was in the 1920s. That's one of the few changes. And the DH is another change. But, I mean, if I was to change anything, I'd say let's go to the 10th inning and do a regular, then throw the runner on second base in the 11th or 12th. I think as was originally proposed until last year, and they decided to do it in the 10th inning. Yeah, I'd put them on third. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, What's the one city you're going to miss the most going to? New York. New York is a city in itself. It's uh, I, And the reason I say New York is I won't go there as often. 
I love Seattle. I think Seattle's a wonderful town. And in my trip next summer planning, I'm already going to plan on spending a couple of days in Seattle, do some of the things that I can't do. There's not enough time during the baseball season to do. But uh, New York, I love the theater, and we'd always go back to New York during the winter anyway. Maybe spend five days to go to three shows and, and do the things. The funny thing that I did in New York, one winter we did, we were there between Christmas and New Year's. We had nothing to do that day, nothing, nothing planned, my wife, daughter, and I. I said, you know what I want to do? I want to take that four train past Yankee Stadium because to me, that's where the end of the world was in New York. I want to see what's past. <laughs> so we rode the number four train to the end, which went, goes right in the middle of Fordham University, which I didn't know. And there's beautiful areas of the Bronx. It's not what you see around Yankee Stadium. So those are the kind of things that, that I will do differently and miss about certain areas. But uh, uh, there's more out there than just baseball. Yeah, our, our last family trip, right before I joined you guys in Vegas, we're in New York, and my kids are actresses, so I took them to Hamilton, Wicked. Little did we know COVID is r raging through New York at the time, and all the Ubers and trains. Luckily, we didn't get it, but wow. I mean, yeah, that was uh, – that. Uh, now you look back on it because we were at D.C. and Philly, and you're sure. just thinking about how crazy that was. But it'll be nice to get back to traveling. What, 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 we'll end on this. What do you think you're going to miss the most? The interaction, people like you, friends of mine that are in the media, maybe longtime writers, Baseball Writers Association, New York guys, Boston guys, Peter Abraham. I used to love Nick Cafardo. And Peter Gammons is a good friend of mine. He's, he's dropped my name in columns and on TV for years. And uh, so I'm going to miss not just the media, but the interaction with uh, either other clubs. I'll see a bunch of my uh, compatriots at the winter meetings this year, but I don't know if I'll ever see the guys from Baltimore again. And... I don't know if I'll see the guys from Detroit and Cleveland. I said no disrespect to you guys when I left there last week, but I said this is not a vacation destination for me. So <laughs> I might see you guys on the road somewhere, but not in Cleveland and not in Detroit. So And it's been cool to be honored by everybody, right, all these it, teams? It, it really is. You know what? Um, I've got the, the autographed jersey at home plate by the Yankees, and Aaron Boone wrote something special on it. Boston came in and gave me a piece of the, the Fenway uh, scoreboard number 54 for my number 54 years and of course Sergio Romo thought it was because of him but uh it was autographed and that was very touching a couple of places they gave me wine a couple of places gave me cigars but one of the things that that means the most to me and I will give the same notation at at our winter meetings is I've done a lot for our equipment manager clubhouse manager association we started on a park bench in in San Diego in the winter meetings in 1985 and a couple of the guys that have came through and have talked to me and as I'm ending my career in baseball said, we really appreciate what you've done for our equipment managers association and getting it noticed and get it recognized by Major League Baseball because they never recognized us before. And that to me, it means to me as, as much as that. And then the legacy that I have with great guys that have worked for me in the clubhouse, not only the guys that are taking over for me, but I've got do uh, one doctor, I've got a couple lawyers, guys that are masters in taxation, guys that have moved on. My bat boy in, in 2002 was Nick Crawl, who was the current general manager of the Cincinnati Reds. So that that pleases me the most of, of, of all my accomplishments. You got like the Bill Walsh tree. <laughs> I like to think that because <laughs> we have spread out. Well, it, it's, it, you know, the great thing is, is we're not saying goodbye because we'll have spring training. Well, hopefully we'll have spring training next year. And uh, we'll be doing this 
we'll go back into that one of those rooms and, and we'll do this again. But, you know, I just, you know, I, I don't know if we're going to be able to get you again before the end of the season. Hopefully we'll have the playoffs. But you know what you've meant to me in my career and what you've meant to this show. And I, we've had some epic interviews. Well, I remember we had one in Tokyo that was awesome. And just uh, we, we've – We've had a few cocktails together, like in Tokyo or Arizona, and you've been a very good friend. Well, thanks, and I have no aspirations to take your place, so you don't have to worry. Well, I'm going to come down and play. Why don't we play golf? <laughs> we can do that. We can play golf. You're not going to have to work, and now we can just I can, I can bolt out and we'll play golf. Uh, fine with me. All right, buddy. Be well. Thank you very much. Always enjoy and, it. And, by the way, these the stuff you've been doing with Vince is priceless. It's fun. It's it's a lot of fun to reminisce, and he, he gives me a little schedule of what we're going to talk about, and I have to rack my brain because there's so much in it that I have to bring out a few of those things. Well, it's going to help you write the book. There you go. You are the best. All right. Thanks, guys. We got more coming up next right here on A's Cast Live. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.